Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. And to discuss the House bill denouncing socialism, we sat down with Congresswoman Ashley Hinson of Iowa earlier today. She's a member of the newly formed House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party as well. She'll also tell us the threats posed by socialism and the CCP, especially the threat in her own state of Iowa. Congresswoman Ashley Hinson, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Congresswoman, the House today is voting on a bill to denounce uh, socialism, highlighting its, its failures. Why do you think this is important at this moment? Well, I think it sends uh, a message to the American people. We're not going to tolerate this creep, and that's really what it is. It's a creep of those policies in our federal government. Um, after two years where we saw the government overexert itself, we continue to see that happen um, through the executive branch overreach and through policies passing on the House floor. Uh, we need to be very clear about where we stand, that uh, the American people are not going to tolerate this. We've seen this experiment fail time and time again, um, and socialism is that pathway to more extreme forms of government like communism and Marxism. So um, I, I watched a lot of the debate on the floor this week. A lot of my colleagues came to, to talk about some of the atrocities that have happened when this creep has been allowed in. And so um, my colleague Maria Salazar from Florida uh, represents, I think, one of the districts with the highest number of, of Cuban refugees in the country. They literally fled socialism. They know what that horror looks like. They know what a dictator looks like. And, um, so it's our opportunity to, to send a very clear signal to the American people. Uh, House Republicans are not going to let that happen. Speaking of socialism and communism, you actually sit on the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party. If you could tell us, what is the objective uh, of your work going to be? Plain and simple, China, uh, the Chinese Communist Party is our greatest threat. Um, we have been asleep at the wheel for, for years, uh, letting them you talk about the creep, um, it's very real here. It's a creep when they're stealing our intellectual property. Uh, they're coming to states like Iowa, literally stealing our seeds and trying to take them back to China to reverse engineer them. Um, and then you look at the military threat and the, and the geopolitical threat uh, to our allies. So it is very clear that we need to take the Chinese Communist Party very seriously and we need to present a policy blueprint for how uh, the United States can remain competitive with them um, so that the next century uh, is filled with one of American values, not Chinese Communist Party values. The Chinese Communist Party is one of the world's greatest human rights abusers. This is what some say their greatest or biggest Achilles heel. Yet so often when world leaders meet with uh, high-ranking CCP officials, it's often human rights is overlooked or just touched upon lightly. Um, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's something we definitely need to spotlight, and that I think will be a large role of our committee. Um, uh, President Xi has turned a blind eye to it or willingly allowed it to happen. Um, the abuses that are happening not only to the Uyghur Muslims in China and forced slave labor, but the true oppression of, of its people. They're holding their people back on purpose. Uh, you wonder why members of the Chinese Communist Party have to have the security that they do. It's because they're afraid of their people, because um, if their people really knew uh, what was going on, I think they would be revolting. So um, it's our job to, again, expose those things um, and then deliver policies that are going to help us to counter um, not only those abuses, how can we hold them accountable, but also making sure we're presenting um, military solutions to make sure we can ha have that strong defense. Uh, making sure we have the ability to rehome 
uh, key manufacturing products. For instance, if they're using slave labor, I think we passed a resolution already to, uh, to not um, support um, any products or services that are coming from places that use that slave labor. So we need to be intentional and send a very clear and direct message that we're not going to tolerate that behavior. Congresswoman, you're from Iowa, obviously a very big agriculture state, farming state. Um, the CCP has been, had their eyes on American agriculture and farmland uh, dating back to 1985 when Xi Jinping spent quite a bit of time in Iowa. Um, what do the American people need to know about these acquisitions? Well, it's a threat, plain and simple. Um, you look at strategically where they have decided that they want to make those land purchases um, in Iowa, um, in key agricultural states, near our military bases, which I think is probably the most alarming uh, thing when I'm looking at um, protecting our nation's secrets, training our, our military men and women, whether it's in, in the Dakotas or down in Texas near the Air Force base there, where we literally train our Air Force pilots and the Chinese are buying land. So it is definitely something, again, I think we have been asleep at the wheel to allow this to happen. So um, we have uh, a number of members on our committee who this has happened in their states and in their districts. Um, you look at the, the percentage of increase in the land that the Chinese have bought over the last 10 years, it's grown exponentially. So um, this is a very real threat. We, we need to balance very carefully foreign investment. We don't want to deter all foreign investment in this country. We are a global economy, and I think it goes without saying that our members are going to be very intentional in understanding that relationship. But they are our biggest threat, and they are literally in our backyard. So um, it's time we, we hold them accountable and we do something to make sure that they can't aggressively move forward with these types of land purchases. Iowa Congresswoman Ashley Henson, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. President Biden and former President Trump, have they been treated differently over the discovery of classified documents? And how different are their situations? Joining us now to discuss, we have former President Trump's attorney, Christina Bob. Christina Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Christina, you're an attorney for former President Trump. Uh, you were at the raid uh, at the former president's uh, home, his Mar-a-Lago estate. How are you processing all that's transpired since with regard to now President Biden's documents probe uh, heating up? Yeah, it's interesting. Certainly as, as it relates to President Biden and his documents, I, you know, I'm an observer the same way as the rest of us, but I can't help but see it being quite hypocritical on the part of uh, the officials that investigated Donald Trump versus those investigating Joe Biden. Uh, you know, I, I was there on site. I wanted to cooperate. I wanted to be part of what they were doing, observe, see what they were doing, you know, take pictures, kind of just facilitate. And they wouldn't let me. I was forced to stand out on the circle drive for, you know, nine or 10 hours, whatever it was, in the Florida summer heat while they were all inside doing whatever they were doing. And then we see Joe Biden, you know, round after round after round. Um, from from multiple residences, often where Hunter Biden was living. So we know they're compromised based on what we found from the Hunter Biden laptop. So uh, I, I can't help but look at it and think it seems a bit hypocritical. Now, one argument that we're hearing uh, from the other side is, is the, uh, the timing of Biden's discovery and how November 2nd was at the early stage and didn't yeah. constitute a press release as well as that President Biden has been cooperative and therefore um, a made-for-TV raid was not justified. Uh, what do you say to those uh, thoughts? I, I don't buy it. I, it doesn't pass muster for me. The fact that they hid the Joe Biden documents until after the midterms, not just after the midterms, 
till January. So like two months after the midterms leads me to believe that they never intended to disclose it. They only disclosed it because the media forced them to disclose it because the media somehow got wind of it and they basically outed them themselves. I, it's extremely disturbing to me that they were targeting uh, Donald Trump, saying terrible things about him in the press and saying, oh, it was so irresponsible. How could he do those things? All while they knew that Joe Biden had done far worse. Donald Trump didn't actually do anything wrong. He's covered by the Presidential Records Act. Uh, it doesn't, I don't even think it matters, but to the extent it does, he's allowed to declassify information that he felt should be declassified at his own discretion. But, but he was actually the president. He had lawful authority to have all of those documents. So... Uh, and Joe Biden did not as the vice president and certainly as a senator. He certainly didn't have that. So he's not covered by the same statutes and court rulings that Donald Trump is covered by. So I, I just don't buy it. it. It appears to me that they are treating the two men very, very differently. Christine, I just want to switch gears a little bit here. You have a fascinating new book out called uh, Stealing the Vote. Uh, it talks about what mainstream media outlets have dubbed the big lie, uh, if you could. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I was an investigative reporter at One America News before joining President Trump's team. And I kind of dug into the election, the 2020 election and what had happened. There were, I had a lot of questions, probably like many Americans, I thought the election looked odd. So I just started investigating. I talked to hundreds of state elected officials, county and city clerks, volunteers, poll workers, observers in Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Flor um, not Florida, I'm sorry, Pennsylvania, Georgia, like all over the country. I just was on the ground in these states for months and months. And uh, I wanted the people to be able to see what I found looking into it. And the, the encouraging thing for me is it's very fixable. It looks very daunting from the outside, like, oh, there's nothing we can do. And I don't think, I don't think that's true at all. I think there's a lot we can do and we need to do it before 2024. If you could tell us from your experience and your, you know, reporting, are there whistleblowers, are there more whistleblowers within, you know, government agencies even that could potentially expose a lot of what you have uh, uncovered? I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I think they need to be brave and come forward. I think it's a combination of corruption and cowardice. Actually, the original title of the book was going to be Cowardice and Corruption because uh, you've got, I think, a small group of people doing really bad things. And then you have a larger group of people who just want, largely Republicans, who just want to maintain the status quo. They don't want to rock the boat. You know, it's like, oh, fighting this corruption is hard. Let's just let it go. And you know, that, that's a problem. So I think we need some brave folks to stand up and uh, blow the whistle, as you say. But I think we can make corrections even without that. I mean, a lot of it just means that people need to get involved in their local elections, get involved in what's happening in your community. Uh, if we all secure our own precincts and we all secure our own counties, we'll have a secure election. But there aren't enough Americans involved in the process, good law-abiding citizens, whether you're on the left or the right, uh, to keep our elections secure. So we, we need to encourage people to do that. Christina Bob, congratulations on the new book, Stealing the Vote, and thank, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.